Welcome to your sanity safe space with your favorite YouTube podcast duo, or at least one of them. It kind of depends, and probably some rando too. But no complaining, because this is free. Free! This is Beauty and the Beta bonus audio content. Hello and welcome to the show. This week, Blonde was a guest on Roaming Millennials stream along with fellow YouTuber Ranthony and one of Roaming's patrons. The group discussed Trump's first two weeks in office. Thanks to Roaming for allowing us to share this audio with you. She and Ranthony are two of my favorite YouTube personalities. So if you like what you hear, and I hope that you will, check out their links in the description and tell them we sent you if you do. Thanks for listening and enjoy. Hey guys, this is Roaming Millennial. Welcome back to my channel. Today with me, I have Blonde from Blonde in the Belly of the Beast, Ranthony, and one of my patrons, Michael. So say hi, guys. Hello. Hello. Hi, how are you doing? Okay, great. So uh, <laughs> everyone's links, as always, will be in the description. And uh, do you guys want to tell us a little bit about your channels before we get started? Sure. Should I go first? Yeah, go for it. I am Blonde in the Belly of the Beast on YouTube. I am Liptard America on Twitter. Um, I cover a variety of topics. I don't like to classify myself too much, but generally I'd say I'm conservative, anti-feminist. Um, so yeah, check me out on YouTube if you haven't already. Yeah, that's that's about right. Um, I'm Ranthony. I'm a very small YouTuber, especially in comparison. So I'm happy that Michael is here with us because I was I was a little nervous. I was going to be on a stream with two beautiful women, and everybody <laughs> in the chat is going to be like, "Ew, who's this fat slob?" But no. no. <laughs> Wait, are I'm, you saying that Michael isn't also beautiful? <laughs> well, he's not a beautiful woman, though. Well, actually, wait a minute. I'm sorry. You're I just assuming it's gender. gender. You are I'm gender. Sorry. Oh my god. How dare you? <laughs> Anyway, I'm also conservative and anti-feminist. I think Blonde and I will get along quite well, to be honest. <laughs> uh, hi, everybody. I'm Michael. I am uh, one of Roaming's patrons. I do not have a channel. I'm just your typical cis, heteronormative male demon. Um, about the only thing that I have to plug is uh, there's a GoFundMe for one of my really good friends who's been suffering from... Uh, well, he has colon cancer now, but he's grown up with Crohn's and stage one diabetes. So uh, if you have a moment, just share or maybe take a look and see if you can help out in any way. Yeah. And uh, the, the link to his GoFundMe page is in the description. So, you know, if every, if anyone's interested in checking that out, uh, definitely go do that. And so today, uh, you know, as you can tell from the title, we're going to be talking about our God Emperor Trump. And uh, before anyone starts accusing me of shilling for Trump, that is a joke. I uh, just want to clarify that. Uh, but yeah, you know, we are going to be talking about Trump. He's been a, he's been in office for only like uh, two weeks now. feels like it's been years. Just <laughs> like, the number of news stories alone. And um, yeah, where do you guys want to get started? Uh, how about we get start with the Muslim ban, hashtag Muslim ban. What, what are your you guys' thoughts on that? I thought this was hilarious because didn't he like not even change the language of uh, Obama's original edict? I mean, I think that he took the seven countries that Obama used and just like signed off on it. And now everyone's like, it's a Muslim ban. What? Really? <laughs> yeah. Say anything about Saudi Arabia, Indonesia, a number of other countries that have millions and millions of Muslims. No, it's it's literally the exact same countries. You're right. And like, I, I keep getting all these people. So I made a video about it right? and I keep getting all these people like asking like, well, why isn't this on the list? Like, why isn't this on the list? It's like, 
he didn't choose the countries like in 30 days is when like he'll add his picks but like for now like this you know and you can you can disagree with the countries based on that but like I'm, I'm getting all these people like you know oh trump business connections and it's like maybe but it's too soon to tell because he hasn't added his picks yet mm -hmm. this is where i immediately say something controversial because that's what i do <laughs> and i just like to sabotage everything um i am definitely a trump fan but i wish he had waited until his cabinet was actually present and so that there was no obama administration leftovers to stop him <laughs> Yeah, I think we would have had a lot of a we would have had a better time with the implementation process, and this would have been a little bit smoother. Other than that, though, I, like personally, I don't have a problem with what he did. He has every right to do it, and uh, it's just it's not a Muslim ban. <laughs> yeah. Well, okay. So so um something that I like I. I'm hearing people on Twitter say all the time, people have made like videos about it. Like the fact that he, when he was campaigning, campaigning said he wanted a Muslim ban and, you know, stuff with Giuliani's on records, you know, saying that they would like to see a Muslim ban. A lot of people are bringing that up as points as to why this is a Muslim ban. But I feel like, you know, if we're talking about a policy, you should go by what the policy actually says, you know, and what it means, not just what people have said in the past that they would like to see. Like, yeah, maybe Trump really does want a Muslim ban. But again, that still doesn't mean that this policy, based on what it actually says and does, is a Muslim ban. Right. Yeah, it's it's really not. I mean, that's all it does is hold over every, everybody from those countries for right now. And everybody who has green cards, they, there was an issue with rolling it out. Your video perfectly summed it up. It it really was just how it was rolled out. I really mm -hmm. don't see any issue with actually what happened. Yeah, and like I, th I do wonder, like Ranthony was saying, why this was done when it was, as opposed to waiting a little bit, uh, you know, when all the cabinet picks were all done, maybe they would, they would have had more time to plan out, you know, how they would have dealt with people who were overseas at the time coming back, green card holders, I don't know, people whose applications were in process, stuff like that. So like, I feel like maybe it was rushed. I'm not sure what the, you know, what the cause of that w was, but you know, like as, once they get things worked out, I. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm still not seeing it as a Muslim ban, you know, un unconstitutional. Oh, how about that argument that it's unconstitutional? You cannot give our rights as citizens apply to our citizens. They we're not talking about human rights. We're talking about the rights of an individual American citizens. If they're not citizens, then why are we dis why are we discussing that? that? That just why does it get brought up? It's beyond me. In, Isn't in it class. insane that the concept of putting America first is now racist? Yeah. Hitlerian. Yes. It's Hitlerian. Yes. And I had this argument um, with, a, I guess, a Facebook frenemy, if you want to call that, somebody I always <laughs> argue with all the fucking time. I, I'm sorry. I can't swear on your channel. I'm sorry. No. Um, <laughs> uh, oh, you can so swear on your channel? Yes. Okay. Say what you want. All right. Well, anyway, uh, so um, he, he said that he posted something like that, and I'm like, what is so wrong about putting America first. It's xenophobic and Islamophobic. Well, but do you expect Albania to think of us when they do their own national security plans? No. Why is it that we are taking them into account? I don't, and he never answered, <laughs> so I don't know. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I, I don't know, with, with the people who are kind of protesting, yeah, I feel like there's this, assumption that people have the right to enter America or, or right. something like that, like, you know, that America isn't allowed to have its own borders or, you know, cut itself off in, in, a, in any way, which is funny because that's not really a standard that applies to other countries. Right. 
Yeah. I mean, people on Facebook have even been sharing all the, uh, you know, the the Muslim countries that ban Israeli citizens, and right. no one ever says anything about that. And even though I disagree with that too, I I can't, you know, they're sovereign states; they can do whatever they want at the end of the day. As mm -hmm. long and as they're also, not violating human rights, then. <laughs> At the end of the day, what Israeli citizen wants to go to any of those countries? That's so, right. Yeah, so. you don't you don't see a, a lot of Israeli Jews banging the door down to get into Saudi Arabia right, right. now. But I've heard the argument that it is a human right to be able to live in the wealthiest country in the world and to be able to travel wherever you want. But this is just a straight up entitlement, even if it comes from people in the third world. Um, I would Absolutely. never say this to like a Japanese person. They would reject that outright. They're like, nope, our country is for the Japanese only. And there, right. there are so many countries that are like that. Um, Australia is like that. Yeah, mm -hmm. and people in America don't realize that we are the um, experiment. This is a multicultural experiment that that largely has not existed, you know, anywhere else in the world at any time in history. So this is unique. This is a unique perspective. Right, and that's not to say, and none of this is to say that that these individuals can't eventually come in. It's mm -hmm. that we're going to vet them first, and we're going to vet them to our satisfaction to make sure that our own homeland is safe. What is so wrong about this? I, that is what I don't understand. We have that right to protect ourselves in any way we feel necessary. And something that I think is interesting because, you know, anytime you, you bring up the issue of vetting, people always say like, well, we're, you know, they're being vetted now. And I think, you know, the people who say that don't really have a, a firm grasp on you know, what vetting actually means. I think right. they just assume that, you know, American satellite spots are, they're following every individual all the time. <laughs> right, you know, right. They, they have their records. If you've done something, they know. Sort of like a, I don't know, a government Santa Claus. Right, it's is, crazy. And what about countries that have no formal government anymore and they certainly have no organization as far as people's uh, personal records are concerned? Like like a Syrian, you could, you could falsify those so easily, um, those government right. Especially like somewhere that has a, you know it's a failed state, fallen government. Like let, let's say Somalia. How do you mm -hmm. how do you vet a, a Somali? Right, right. You know, are you good? Go to their public records. I mean, are what you are good? you like? This person, there's a good chance they don't even have a birth certificate. Like yeah. zero papers. So what are you what are you supposed to do in that situation? Just like no, I'm good. Like you can trust me. Uh, yeah. So like I don't I don't know where they think the information on these people is supposed to be coming from. If right, these are war torn countries. Um, like, I mean, you know, you can stick the DHS on, on, the, on their cases all you want, but, the, you know, if the information's not there, at the end of the day, there's nothing they can do about it. They can't just create information from this mm -hmm. vacuum. Right. Yeah. I don't no. know. And that's, I'm interested to see, like, what kind of policies they're going to implement because, I mean, a lot of the times they'll just throw out words like, ooh, biometric. And it's like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. the one thing that's interesting, they love to, they, I, you know, we all remember the be like Denmark memes, right? Where it's there, they want to, they want to compare everything to Denmark or France or Sweden or whatever country it is that they're utopia. But if you bring up the immigration crisis and say, well, look at Europe and look at what's happening in Europe with the refugees. Oh no, Europe and the United States, that's totally different. That's two totally different things. We're not going to, we're going to implement it better. We're going to do a better job. Well, 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 that doesn't make any sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think the you know the case of Europe is a really good point because a lot of people have been saying, well, you know, there there haven't been any attackers for many of these countries. We haven't had any problems with refugees. I'm a, which is is not true, but also you know the idea that we need to wait before an attack until after attack happens, right? Right. We address a security concern that we know exists in the immigration system. Exactly. I mean, that's. That's ridiculous thinking. No, no one thinks, you know, like, oh, well, I, I can obviously see there's a problem there. I can think of like 10 ways where someone could get through. <laughs> yeah. But it hasn't happened yet. So we'll see what happens. No, and it's not just that. It's it's racist 
for us to try to implement something to stop that future threat. That's that's the most mind-boggling thing about all of it is that you are automatically considered racist even though Islam isn't a race. <laughs> I know, right? Jeez. But but even if they even if they do say Islamophobic or xenophobic, then they're they're like you are having the irrational fear of something. Right, it's, right. Like, it's rational. They I know. There are <laughs> a lot of them that want to I'm kill people and. That that to me sounds rational. I, I'm not going to scream every time I meet one, but right. I'm, well, but as they say, even if it's just one out of every 200 that wants to kill you, you want to let all 200 in? That yeah. You know, I mean, there is a legitimate concern here, and just writing everything off as xenophobia is irresponsible for national security. Right, and it really is, and especially, I mean, people have been saying this a lot, but apparently it hasn't been getting through. Yeah, there's there's tons, most, the majority of Muslim countries are not affected by this ban. Right. And even, you know, in terms of race, many Arab countries aren't affected by this ban. Like no one's talking about banning Jordan or, or Muslims right. from Jordan because they're not a security risk, you know, like people from, from Syria might be. Indonesia, so, yeah. yeah. Yeah, exactly. And countries, countries that have their shit together, basically. You know, right. and, and I mean, I don't presume to know why those seven countries were picked and obviously why Trump agreed with Obama's picks. I'm not, I'm not national security. So I'm willing to defer and say, OK, well, those seven countries, I mean, looking at them, most of them are war torn hellholes. Right. But I'm willing to look at them and say, OK, that makes sense. You know, OK, would would they left seriously have preferred if they just said all Muslims? There we go. I mean. Is that what they wanted? I think he was. <laughs> That's what I wanted. <laughs> <laughs> I think he was brilliant to to only to just go with the seven. I think so he was I, brilliant yeah. because he didn't pick them, so he can always yeah. Say, yeah. Obama set this up. I just went along with what you know your god emperor Obama said initially. <laughs> it made him impervious to criticism. I thought it was a really good move, and yeah. I think he did it so quickly because he just wanted to hit the ground running. Um, but as far as the casualties of this, I mean, what really happened? Uh, 50 people, 100 people were stopped at the airport or something like that? Or The biggest number I've ever heard was 250. And uh, somebody I was talking to about it for a classmate was just like, oh, well, that's 250 people. Their lives were delayed. And blah, blah, blah. I'm like, shut the hell up. They were, it was fixed, wasn't it? They were done yeah. in like 24 and hours. Because people never get held up at the airport. Yeah, I know. Really. And, no. oh, you know what holds people up at the airport? Massive protests. <laughs> yeah, I know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. What, what did you guys think about, you know, the, the whole Yates thing and, you know, Trump firing her after she refused to def defend the executive order? She had to know that was going to happen, right? I mean, she's legally well, yeah, obligated I mean, to, she, she can't do that. She had to know that this was going to be a position that would strip her of, you know, the AG. Given that the executive order is constitutional, there's plenty of evidence to show that she was wrong in what she did. I, I think it was perfectly acceptable that Trump did that. What I don't think is acceptable is everybody comparing it to the Saturday Night Massacre from Nixon's administration. It was nothing at all like that in any way, but we're just trying to compare Trump to Nixon so that this way the next step is impeachment. <laughs> and I, I think she was, I mean, she knew she was going to be out as soon as Bannon got approved. So I, I think she was setting herself up for martyrdom. Like she knew this yeah, was going to happen. Yeah. She did this to make a political statement. I mean, that's that's the only thing to I could To curry favor of. from the left before she ended up in a different role. That's right. And, and to start nice. Trump's administration off with even more controversy, I think. Which, good, good point there, Blonde, because who the heck is Sally Yates? Ain't nobody ever heard of her. But now maybe she will appear up somewhere running for something. 
And <laughs> but what a nuclear solution. I mean, that seems crazy yeah. to piss off the current. But I mean, it's, it's like the, uh, what was her name? Susan Rice. Uh, ambassador to the UN or something like that before you know before this giant controversy happened no one had ever heard of her but now she's you know like the, uh, number one the dem Democrats like top list of people you know they consider experts on foreign policy or something <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I mean it's it's politics it, it doesn't really say a lot about what policies or anything are actually right good. Um, I just thought the whole thing was hilarious honestly I know I, I laughed at the dredge headline that day I was like man he is just Coming out blazing right from the go. <laughs> what has Obama yeah, I, been doing for I do think, seriously? As much as I love that, how much uh, how much she put into that, I did have a. I wish that there had been more stopping and thinking, and I I hope that the reason that the Muslim ban, for one thing, wasn't just only about let's make sure we we show everybody that we're getting stuff done because I would prefer that they waited a week and still got stuff done really really quickly but didn't have the massive implementation problems that we had and I don't know what else you know but I, that's how I would have liked to have seen maybe it, he had another incentive that we aren't correct to mm -hmm. right yeah and, and that's the thing with us like even why those specific countries are chosen were chosen I can you know we can kind of guess based on you know the fact that yeah a lot of militant groups are active there they're pretty war-torn but there are a lot of things the intelligence community knows or at least thinks they know that we will never get a hold of right know? it's like even right. with people saying like oh well there's there haven't been any attacks yet so why should we worry we think there haven't <clears throat> been attacks yet like we don't know what what ones they've stopped or you know and we but also don't know either. homegrown terror cells or you know terror cells from the outside take a long time to vest. So they could they could be terror cells that are in the United States for four or five years before they actually ever act, you know, before mm -hmm. they're whatever mobilized. So I, I bet you I, I wouldn't be at all surprised if Trump came into office and was briefed for his intelligence agency and told, oh well, President Obama's been sitting on this information from whatever country it is for the last you know two years. What do you you know? Do you want to do anything about it? And he's like, "Oh my God, dude, this could blow up at any moment. Why has Obama not been doing anything about this? Let's fix it." I mean, we don't know. That could have been part of the impetus here. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, and that's a good point. And that's something that we just won't know. Or, know. You know, we won't. Yeah, can't know. Um, I, and one one last thing, you know, about this before we move on, um, the whole, you know, the idea of having a preference for Christian or minority group refugees when the refugee program uh, is started again in four months. A lot of people have been criticizing that, saying, you know, that's unconstitutional because it violates the First Amendment, which, but anyway, um, you know, saying that that's anti-Muslim. I mean, in my opinion, that like, you know, I'm not really in support of a giant refugee program, but I think, right. you know, if, if the U.S. is going to be taking in refugees, I think targeted victims of genocide you know, like the Christian genocide that's going on, or even, you know, the Yazidis, for example, I think that does make sense. Uh, you know, during World War II, I don't think people would have complained that we were, you know, favoring Jews. So uh, I don't know, what do you guys think about that? Defend the people that can't defend themselves. I mean, yes, they're going to be, uh, because there are a lot of factions at war amongst themselves. So yeah, you want to take in helpless women and actual children, not warring age boys and girls, if we uh, if we can help it, but you don't, I mean, the, the ones that are being slaughtered right now, the, the Christians, the, uh, anybody who does not subscribe to their beliefs, you, you help them. They're, they're the first people that can't defend themselves. Mm -hmm. I, I get, I kind of want to take the tack of, we should either be in it or out of it. 
I, I don't like this, okay, well, let's, you know, kind of play a game in between and see who we're going to save. And who we're, I think that if we're going to fix the problem, we should fix the problem. And if we're going to stay out and not, we don't want troops on the ground, we don't want to you know, destroy ice. If, we were, if we're going to make that decision and say it's not our problem, honestly, I think most of it just should not be our problem. Because we are, we've taken on the role of the world police, but we can barely afford to keep ourselves uh, coherent and it's not our responsibility. So as much as, I mean, I'm a Christian, so as much as I feel for, you know, Christian brethren who are being genocided, I, I can't in good conscience say, well, we need to step in and do something about it because I wouldn't say that for most others. I, mm -hmm. I just don't think that we sh that is our responsibility. But we've exacerbated issues with um, Muslim countries. And That's so true. to some degree, we're responsible for the Christian populations in those countries. And Possibly, even if people yeah. don't want to admit it, this is a predominantly Christian country that's its foundational principles uh, were built upon Protestantism. So I mean, I do think that we have some fealty to these people um, above Muslims, above, above anybody else. And I think, you know, something that's important to talk about in regards to Maybe. refugees, and it's probably not popular to say this, but when we're taking in refugees, I do think that we should have some consideration, you know, it, about their, the way that they're going to assimilate once they're actually right, here. Right. Well, okay. to be honest, I'm not, I'm not big on assimilation. I would rather figure out how they're going to go home. But you yeah. know they're not going to go home, right? <laughs> once well, they get here, there's us. no point. In, to them, there's no point to going home. I, to, I kind of them, like what you said originally, either get in or get, get out. Or get out yeah. <laughs> and that's, that's what we have to decide whether it's Fair worth enough. it. And yeah. But I mean, for for those who are here, happen. if they're 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 taking refuge because of a conflict, and that conflict has got to resolve itself some way, whether when that happens, how that happens, in what way, whatever. But that is their homeland, and I think that it should be preserved as their homeland. As in, they don't come here with the expectation of sitting on welfare or whatever it is that they're ultimately doing. They right. need to have the opportunities, you know, to go back home and set their lives back up there, but not basically mooch off of the American government for an indefinite period of time. But I mean, that's what, you know, Angela Merkel, now she's saying like, oh, you know, we're going to, we're going to try to get the refugees back. You're not, you're never going to get them back. That's, yeah, you know, that's an unrealistic and what is that, that it would be possible. to a group of like fighting age men that are listless and have been going from country to country? Where is back to them? I mean, there's right. just no way. There's no putting this back in the tube now. It is done. The milk that's is out true. of the udder. That's true. Yeah, and you just know that if which we're sucks, prioritizing honestly. families or young children, which I think if we're taking refugees, we should be, then there's right. the argument, oh, but they've grown up in the United States, so we can't send them back. Well, they're still not citizens. They are still not citizens. I agree with that, but I can already hear the so like oh, yeah. it's the same argument with dreamers, right? Yes. Because people can't move, apparently. That's just not... <laughs> I know. And, and to some degree, I understand that that uh, idea of bringing the ref refugee children over, but of course, you don't want to break up families and bring their, you know, bring the families over. I'm sorry, but the problems that were created, I get what Blonde is saying. Maybe we did have a large effect of what's happening over there, and I mean that goes to everybody. But um, but bringing people over here and putting them in our dollar, I, I just don't think is the reasonable right to do. And honestly, that's why I want to be in around. Too. Yeah, I don't want to just take children. I don't want to just, and like you said, it's unpopular. Nobody wants to hear that, but I don't want to just take the impoverished people because everybody's going to say, well, you can't just take the children. You have to take the adults too. And then what do we have? Terror. Like, yeah. Well, not I'm just that. You. It never ends. And so it goes from one of these Muslim countries to the next one, to the next one, to the next one, until all of a sudden we, we've always been the world police, but now we're right. going to be not just the police, but their babysitters, their caretakers, their yeah. uh, 
the people that feed them, clothe them, do yeah, everything. Yeah, their pocketbook. Yeah, pretty much. Right. Like we have money for that. We already China already owns us. They're gonna put us to work in the slave mines. I mean, and <laughs> that, the point about China is so true at the moment. You know, every, for every refugee that's resettled in the United States, we're borrowing money from China to do that. Right. Right. Because the, the U.S. has a deficit. Right. It's not like there's tons of money extra to be spent. And even if there were, you know, there are homeless veterans in the United States. And I'm personally not keen on the idea that governments exist to provide charity. But if there is going to be charity, I think the American people who are in need should come first. Yes, absolutely. And there are a whole lot of other problems. I mean, the homeless veteran problem absolutely is a thing, but it also feels to me like... Well, 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 you need, we don't care about about veterans any other time unless we're talking about immigration. And I hear that argument all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, there are other things we can spend the money on. Healthcare, education, you name it. I don't care what you want to put the money on. But there are other things here that we have that are broken. Our prison systems. We need more prisons. We need, you know, reform. Whatever it is that we could be spending money on that isn't fixing other people's problems, other people who we have no responsibility for. Right. And, uh, you know, speaking about... Immigration, unpopular decisions, you know, <laughs> taking care of other people's problems, whatever you want to call it. Uh, let's talk about the wall a little bit because that was <laughs> that was definitely something that was really popular and controversial throughout the entire campaign. And now that the God Emperor is in office, uh, it's coming back. Well, so, I, I think um, we can agree that was a skag like segue right there. Yeah, yeah, that was like Masterful. a professional segue. <laughs> it was good. <laughs> I'm learning from the master. He he does have. Yeah. Yeah, uh, definitely a scoop for that. <laughs> yeah, but seriously, the wall. When Donald Trump was running, everyone was saying, oh, no, no, he's not. He's not going to build the wall. I uh, even said that. I was like, I think that he's going to enact, like, self-deportation methods or whatever policies that will encourage self-deportation, and I think a wall will become unnecessary. But now that I see him just coming out of the gates like this, I'm like, he's going to build the wall, isn't he? Yeah, <laughs> he, he wants that wall. That is, uh, yes. yeah, he wants that. Now, I am curious, though, whether or not it's going to be a quote-unquote wall. It's going to be some cor- kind of border defense, but I've heard things about, well, maybe it'll be a system of fences, something, something, something. I don't know, and I don't care. I just want the, the border to be protected. I know secure. there are secure. There are problems hey, with a concrete brick-and-mortar wall. But it's it's going to be a beautiful wall. <laughs> it's going to be, it's going to be fantastic. Tremendous. Classy. Huge. 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 Yeah. I mean, I, I'm kind of the same way. I Whether it's an actual wall, I'm not sure. Like, I don't know a lot about the efficacy of walls in terms of border defense. Uh, right. But yeah, just, just something to know that there's, you know, they're, they're investing resources and time and thinking about it because I think it is a problem right now. And uh, I don't know if you guys saw, but we have uh, Speaker Ryan coming out saying that Trump does have the authorization. And now they're just working on, uh, you know, getting yes. the, the budget together. So looks like the wall is going to happen. And now people are, are really mad about it. It's like first you were saying, oh, he's not going to do it. Now that he's actually doing it, you're you're mad. So it's like. Uh, you're... <laughs> not me. I'm ecstatic. Yeah, I'm, I'm ecstatic about it, though. I, I want to see the official wall plan because, like I said, there have always been one of the biggest problems is actually water runoff, as ridiculous as that might sound. But they it would cause a lot of really ridiculous problems from water runoff by just putting a structure there. Um, so that's one of the reasons why I want to see the actual plan of how we're going to do it. But I don't care how it's done. I'm excited that it's going to get done. And Mexico's going to pay for it. Yeah. And a lot of people you say like, oh, Mexico is never going to pay. Even, you know, the president's saying they're not going to pay. I think, you know, people don't pay enough attention to things like the taxes he was 
talking about because there's tons of ways you can get Mexico to indirectly pay that don't involve them giving the U.S. a lump sum payment. Right, which and it was it, it, it was never going to be a wheelbarrow full of golden bricks, and I don't. <laughs> That seems to be what they were thinking. And yeah. no, that's never what the case was. He had outlined some of his plans for how Mexico was going to pay for it in his campaign a very, very long time ago. You could read it. It was there. But, oh, Mexico's going to pay for it? Oh, yeah, right. <laughs> no, Mexico's yeah. going to indirectly pay for the wall. It's going to happen that way. And what do you guys think about all of the rhetoric that's being thrown around about, you know, him, like, Trump dividing us? Uh, shedding the U.S. off, you know, that the wall is racist, stuff like that. He will not divide us! No. <laughs> praise Keck! Praise Keck! <laughs> Who were those people, those master-level trolls? I, I don't know! I want At first I was like, this has got to be Sam High, right? But it wasn't. It was somebody else. That was awesome. It, it was it awesome, really yeah. Was. I just, I can't he believe so that confused. the news media... The news media is actually showing a video of somebody saying, Praise Keck! Praise Keck! This is on national news! <laughs> they don't I even it. know. What was it in the one that just walks up to him and he's like, Hey, hey, how you doing? How you doing? Oh, Hitler didn't do anything wrong. And then just <laughs> turns around and just loses it on him. And that's the one that he got arrested for, right? Right, I think so. Yeah. yeah. Oh, my Lord. Yeah, um, I think it's all the same kind of rhetoric that we've seen for the last year. It's nothing new. It's just at a larger volume. That's it. Right. Someone in the chat just said Crowder's there right now. Crowder's at the, oh yes. <laughs> he had talked about how much he wanted to go over there. Okay, cool. <laughs> what, are you like buffle with Crowder, Anthony? You guys just like huh? talk? No, 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 no. He talked about it on his show. Oh, I missed that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he mentioned that he would, he wants to go out. Yeah, I think yes, I, I know Stephen Crowder. We are good friends. Just, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, what's happening? He's like, everyone hanging out without me? Uh, yeah, but I think, uh, you know, Chris Reagan, he's from New York. I think he would say that, too. If I lived anywhere near there, I would definitely be over there, too. So yeah. would I. Oh, my God. Everybody would. Come on. He just set himself up. You know, all you have to do is defeat one homeless actor. <laughs> and you get to do whatever you want. It's four years of trolling the shit out of him. That's just the best thing in the world. I gotta, love, I gotta love these performance art pieces. You know, you got Shia LaBeouf's, uh, Ashley Judd's, I want to call it slam poetry or mental breakdown. Somewhere. Uh, in did she write that? Sure. I heard it was a poem from somebody else. Yeah, she didn't write it. She just performed it. Oh, that. that somehow makes it worse. It's like you didn't even write that garbage. You had to borrow <laughs> it and have a garbage performance. It was so hard to watch. I still haven't made it through the entire thing. It, no, it's I uncomfortable. Know. It was oh so bad. You know, it's funny. Um, Meryl Streep's speech at the Golden Globes was oh. really cringy, but also really well performed. Like you could see how how good an actress she is, Ashley Judd. I'm a <laughs> that oh, southern God, accent just starts coming out. And yeah. is she is she actually southern? Because I know nothing about Ashley Judd. <laughs> I thought she I. I thought she was Catherine Heigl for most of the time. <laughs> I, I'm just realizing that these are two different people. <laughs> no, I think the Judds are uh, aren't some of them like uh, country singers. I think maybe I think Ashley maybe. Judd. What did she do? She was in Star Trek: The Next Generation. Wait, what? Was like, she? Yeah, in some of the really early episodes. Uh, I, she was I, a love interest of Wesley Crusher. Wow, this is really this wow. Got nerdy fast, but that's the only thing I know. It's okay. <laughs> My wife would know that. I wouldn't have a clue about that. Star Trek. <laughs> yeah, but, but anyway, actress. I don't know. I'm to say. Ashley Judd. She's she's an actress. Uh, yeah. Sister I want to of Winona Judd? 
I, I think so. I think that's it. Who is a singer? Okay, there we yeah. go. Yeah. We've got to figure it out, guys. <laughs> okay, yeah. See, we're on top of this. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, she's born in California, apparently. So, mm -hmm. but yeah, her sister is a country singer. So that's probably where she pulled that from. Okay, yeah. Interesting. Um, yeah, I don't know. The the whole thing with the wall and, you know, you can be against the wall because I, I, you know, I, a lot of people say, oh, well, it's not going to do anything. You could argue for its efficacy. That's mm -hmm. fine. You know, again, I don't even know a lot about border enforcement either. Mm -hmm. But all the people that are saying, you know, that it's it's racist, that, you know, the states is a nation of immigrants. They're kind of indirectly saying that the, the U.S. doesn't have the right to defend its borders from people right. that are coming in, which I don't think they would say that about any other country. No, but I think that the left, once you get down to it, that most people do fundamentally hold this position because they think that we're indebted to other nations because of our imperialism. Um, and that's really, that's, that's the danger of the left. They, that's where the sense of entitlement comes from because we owe it to people. Mm -hmm. and, but I mean, you know, even, even if you were to say, I, cause uh, I was watching, there was this interview with Jose Dang, I can't remember his name. I don't want to butcher it and then be accused of being racist. But <laughs> <laughs> there was a, you know, on Fox News, there was this uh, illegal immigrant who was also an activist talking. And, you know, the, the anchor was sort of questioning him about why he thought he was entitled to stay in the U.S. And everything he was saying, like, well, you have to ask why people are immigrating here. And it's because of your imperialism. Uh, that doesn't even make sense. That doesn't even make sense. any sense. <laughs> right. What is the no. logic just... How you can't even follow that train? What? No, no. no like no one doesn't come here for a better life to escape their home country because it is worse there. And also the uh, the uh, immigration laws in Mexico aren't they incredibly strict? Yes, yeah, so Mexico regularly dis re regularly deports Guatemalan immigrants. However, mm -hmm. also Mexico is in shambles. They have like eight different right. governments if you count the cartels. So <laughs> anybody who wants to get in can get in. It's just that's true. Yeah. On the on the actual laws, <laughs> they'll they'll kick out people who they don't like, you know. Mm -hmm. But it, we have borders. Every country has borders and every country has some kind of history of conquering or imperialism or something. And I mean it's it's only if, if we live nationalistically, I mean, if you're advocating for kumbaya, globalism, let's all just sing kumbaya together and we'll all be one happy earth mother state, fine. That's <laughs> your opinion. But if we're right now, that's not what exists. Where it exists right now is nationalism. And nationalism says we have the right to protect our borders and that's what we're going to do. And if you don't like that and you want to call us racist, hey, guess what? That apparently doesn't matter anymore. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, that and. I don't know. I think, okay, there are a lot of people that make arguments about like, oh, well, you, what about this person? You know, they're just trying to have a better life for themselves. There's a lot of emotional appeals that yes. are made around immigration. And mm -hmm. I mean, as someone who's like A, an INTJ, those, I, I can't really relate to those. Like when people try to bring feelings as arguments, it doesn't really make right. sense to me. But, you know, even more than that, I think the the idea is that immigration should, at the end of the day, benefit the host country, Right not the immigrants yes. themselves. So that that idea is just so lost among some people. It's like the immigration system should be this humanitarian program, which I mean, like it can be for a lot of people, but I, I remember I, it was a couple of days ago, I actually got into this Twitter debate argument, I don't even know what to call it, where, you know, I was talking about the idea of prioritizing refugees based on merit. And this one guy said, like, what? So you, you think that someone who ha is uneducated and has no experience is less entitled to come to the United States? And I was like, <laughs> yes. yes. <laughs> I don't know why you're <laughs> acting so shocked. And he was like, that was crazy to him. 
bigoted, yeah. racist. Like, how could you even say that? It's <laughs> like, I, I feel like that's a pretty like fair and standard position to have when it comes to immigration. I, I Send us your best, not not your worst. That's yeah. right. Or it's even like say, mediocre. It's like saying, like, how dare you say that only qualified people should get this job? Like, that is that is ridiculous. <laughs> how dare you? Well, in the same way, you know, not just with immigration, they make a lot of emotional pleas for a lot of other things. And one of totally off-topic thing we've never talked about, but uh, is is the amount of aid that we send to countries like to places like Africa. And you know, I have to find it. And it was a story that I, I read, and I'm assuming it's true, but if, if it's, even if it's not, it's believable. Is that there there was a company that made a big deal out of taking a, a small seaside village in Africa and giving them a water pump so that they could pump their uh, water directly to their crops because every day the ladies would walk down to the river and they would carry a bucket on their head and they would go and water their crops. And so they got a water pump. And like in two weeks, somebody had vandalized the water pump and stripped it for parts and sold them. And I've been very opposed to these kind of humanitarian aid efforts in Africa and other places because these people are not capable of helping themselves or setting up their own governments. We are literally just throwing money at them and saying, well, you know, we're being humanitarian, right? Well, right. no, because we're not, you're, we're giving the man the fish. We need to teach them how to fish. Yeah, and study after study proves that foreign aid is, is ineffective. Right. Um, we're just, right. we might as well light this money on fire. I mean, it's totally worthless. You're right about that. Yeah, it's like, yeah, these, these countries have really unstable and corrupt governments. Let's give those governments money because right, I, right. I, I see no reason why that would not work. Just right. a solid plan. Oh, goodness, no. But um, as far as immigration is concerned, I, I think that it also needs to be addressed that, like, brain drain, although it's beneficial to us, there's an ethical question as to whether or not we should be doing these to the other countries. Like, we can we really be taking the best and brightest from all of these impoverished countries? I mean, that in some way, I mean, common sense dictates that that would be affecting them negatively in some way. I say, I, again, but I, I'm very, you know, the U.S. should do what is best for its own country. I, like, I, I can't see, you know, any administration going like, no, we've we've taken in too many of your best and brightest. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, s send them back. That's true. Us. And especially if they're getting educated here, then I think that there is. Right. Yeah. But I mean, you know, that's an interesting point, because if you look at the number of Syrians that have just fled the country right now because of, you know, the amount that Europe has taken in alone, and, you know, now Canada is also under everyone's favorite Prime Minister Trudeau, uh, <laughs> going to be standing up a lot more, too. The, the number of Syrians that have fled Syria is, is ridiculous, and that actually hurts the Syrian country. You know, when you're yeah. talking about millions just leaving, it, it's not going to be good for the ones that are remaining. That's true. But, I mean, from a lot of their perspectives, that's a good thing. Because whether we like it or not, many, 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 even of the refugees, are ISIS supporters, or at least pro-ISIS whether they're actually ISIS fighters or whatever, they might be happy with the idea of an Islamic state. And if that's the case, then they're perfectly happy watching Syria burn and crash to the ground because they want ISIS to become a thing. They want it to be a real legitimate country. And I, I expect that they would be perfectly happy with that. Right, but I, I guess in my, from my point of view, the, you know, if, if there's civil war or strife in your country, do you stay and fight for it? Or does everyone pack their bags and leave? Like right. the entire country just say, okay, we're out. Absolutely. Well, it I, depends on what you what you have the capability to do. I mean, right, if right. you're, if right, you're but I, they're painting for it, then I, I don't they're know. They're painting the narrative true. that, you know, it's only one in maybe 100, 200 people are ISIS supporters. Like really well, but, because those one, like that 1% is doing, you know, very effective. Yeah. 
you know, if you and think about it. everyone else off. Right, right. right. And I mean, it doesn't, of course, it doesn't help that, you know, the Assad who's actually trying to fight them again, you know, we're, we're trying to overthrow him. It's just like a whole mess in general. Not yes. good. That's why I'm not for intervention. But I don't know. I don't Agreed. think just draining the country of all of their military aged fighting males uh, like Europe is doing is a good idea. You know, it's funny that you say it like that, because the best way I've heard it described is, I don't understand why the House of Cards of the Middle East won't stay standing every time we <laughs> set fire to it. <laughs> You're Weird. right. We, we, keep, we keep saying, we keep picking sides and saying, well, this side is the best side for us to support. Like right now, I think even Trump is doing this. They're saying, well, we need to support the Kurds. We need to, you know, Kurdistan, Kurds, whatever. We, that's going to backfire too. We, we see this every time. That's going to backfire. Let's just stop it just get out of there and if we're going to do something then we actually have to do something strong and fast and if we're not going to do anything then we need to leave it alone either way in or out pick a pick a side not just like screw it up a little bit and then like oh never mind not our problem <laughs> yeah, exactly. wait a bit till they get things sorted oh, go no, back we, um, a little bit more we drag it out that that's what we do <laughs> And that's yeah. not none of that's to say that we haven't had legitimate re grievances in that region, and it's not to say that we haven't had good reasons because they are bringing terror here, and ISIS, of course, has declared war on us and stuff. But we need to take it more seriously in a lot they of ways. They declare war on everybody, though. Let's just be real. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that's true. But you know, if they had that magical switch that they could just flip to blow up Philadelphia, they would do it. Oh yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um, okay, so next thing I, I wanted to hear you guys' thoughts on are the uh, cabinet picks that Trump has announced and is trying to get through right now. Go mad. Uh, what do you guys think? <laughs> too, too white, too male, not enough diversity. <laughs> what do you guys think? Um, I remember reading something about it as this is the first time in like 70,000 years where we haven't had a Latino on the cabinet. Pure <laughs> racism. Like, no. no. <laughs> Maybe Trump just cares about who he actually who will be loyal to him and who is it who has the brain for the job. Maybe Trump doesn't give a shit about identity politics. Well, if you looked at who he picked, you would know that that's a lie. I'm like, well, I like who he picked. I don't know about you. Like, it's just, yeah. You can can go someone back. give me a rundown on the Supreme Court pick? I haven't read too much about it. Neil Neil uh, Gorsuch, and yeah, I haven't read much about it either. He's Maybe Rummy knows more. Um, so, well, the, the first thing I looked uh, up when it was announced was his, you know, his stance on abortion, because it's something that Trump said a lot during the campaign was that he was going to appoint pro-life judges. Right. Uh, as far as I can tell, he's never made a ruling on abortion. Huh. So he, he's kind of a, okay. a question mark in that sense. But I, I can definitely say that that's probably something that Trump asked him personally before he was appointed. <laughs> I'd imagine, yeah. I have actually heard, I've actually heard something different there in class today, which... Who knows what I? They're liberal, so who knows? But she uh, she said that he is actually a staunch pro life advocate, which again is something that I only know from class, and I don't know whether that's true. But that's what I heard. No, I can I, I can definitely see him being a pro life advocate, but I just don't know if that's translated into any of the cases he's been involved in. Right. right. You know, um, from what I've heard, he's a uh, you know strong defender of the Constitution. I think is how Ted Cruz put it, or something. So uh, I think. What I'm hoping for is that he's going to be someone who actually interprets it, you know, in the way that it was written, not, you know, not well, trying to one thing, bench or something like that. One fun fact about Gorsuch is actually Gorsuch clerked for Anthony Kennedy. And assuming that Anthony Kennedy does not retire, which apparently doesn't look like that's going to happen, this is the first time in history where there will be two Supreme Court justices sitting on the bench where one of them has worked for the other, where they've clerked for the other. 
the worry somewhat that I'm hearing from the conservative angle is that as good as Gorsuch does seem to be, Kennedy, we all know, is very flip-floppy, very middle-of-the-road, very centrist, very eh. Will the fact that Gorsuch clerked for Kennedy make Kennedy – will Kennedy be able to influence Gorsuch into that centrist position? I don't know. And that's kind of oh. worrisome. I mean, I don't – from what I've heard people say about Gorsuch, he seems to be very – I don't know, very committed to his – his, his ideals, his philosophy. Uh, something so. that I something that I thought was interesting is just how young he is. He, I mean, when you look at you know the other justices and people on the Supreme Court, and because the, and that is like it is a lifetime appointment. I don't necessarily agree with that, but that is kind of the idea, right? You pick someone really young so oh. that they can last decades and decades. How old is he? Uh, Forty nine. That's. I mean, he can go for another thirty years. Yeah. Well, if I'm not mistaken, though, I, I don't think Elena Kagan was pretty young when she was appointed. I want to say she was like maybe 54, something. She's 56 now, and she sat on the bench since. I'm not sure, but I guess she was pretty young too. So yeah, t it's pretty typical that they pick somebody really young that will last their lifetime. That's why Merrick Garland was such an interesting choice when Obama picked him you know, for the appointment that never happened um, because Garland is actually quite old. I think he's in his late 60s, and that's very unusual. Well, it would make sense because if the Republicans turned around, he, he was kind of the middle-of-the-road one, so yeah. when he kind of tossed them a bone, so to speak, then uh, he, he was only tossing it to him for a short amount of time. He, right. he, the guy was kind of centrist, so maybe they'll go along with it, but they'll only have someone like that for a short time. Yeah, yeah, that's true. You know, constitutionally speaking, it's interesting. You mentioned about cabinet picks and Supreme Court. It's interesting that the Democrats have gone so hard after people like Betsy DeVos in the cabinet, where Donald Trump has a right to his cabinet. Uh, there's very little that the legislature is actually supposed to do about that. However, constitutionally speaking, it is a very, very foggy area that we're standing on where Garland wasn't. Uh, uh, where they did not hear Garland. And theoretically, the Democrats have every right to filibuster and say, no, Gorsuch, it should be Garland or nobody, because that's the way the Constitution is written and how they could want it interpreted. And it's interesting that they're not playing that game that way. I don't agree with that argument, but I'm really, that argument is there to be made, and I'm really surprised they don't seem to be making it. Well, are they smart enough to make it? That would be my question. <laughs> I, uh, Probably. I don't know. Yeah, I'm not sure. I think the whole thing with the cabinet picks was, I thought, A, it was funny how people were so upset about the lack of diversity. And something conflicting that I heard that I was really enjoying was how people were saying, A, that Tr Trump wasn't draining the swamp like he said he would, but also that, B, he was appointing outsiders who didn't have any government experience. <laughs> so yeah. I feel like it's either one or the other. Right. Um, I, but it's no, not terribly surprising. We have a president with no political experience, so it's not really surprising. And in my opinion, it's a good thing. Yeah, it's, it could a, be an asset. I mean, do we want these bureaucrats with right. with all of these intertwining, vested interests? I mean, that's why we voted for Trump, right? Right. right. No, well, I, I think I, I'm I'm happy with the the people he's appointed that don't have government experience. You know, I think it was ex CEO of what is it. Carl's Jr., uh, some fast food chain for, you know, Department of Labor. I like that. You know, I think these are people who actually have a sense of what it means to create jobs or to right. be working minimum right. wage and having to manage these employees. So I think that's that's good. That's the kind of experience you want. I understand, you know, people might be upset about 
Rick Purry, uh, you know, an energy. I can see, you know, that I think drill baby drill is going to be a very, a very <laughs> likely possibility for the future with that pick. But overall, I'm pretty happy with it. I'm curious because they didn't have much problem with Ben Har Ben Carson for housing and urban development, which they I thought I they did push back on that. Well, yeah, they, yeah. There was pushback, but not in the Senate. They they've approved him, and that's the that's the thing I don't really understand. I they I'm reading it now, January 24th. They they the Senate panel has approved him, Nikki Haley, and a couple of others, and yet they're they, so they didn't do the same kind of pushback that they did for for Betsy DeVos, and I'm not mm -hmm. really quite understanding why. I'm not sure. I just know that uh, some of the criticism I heard was, A, he doesn't have any experience with right. that, which, I mean, you know, is true. And, and there are also, you know, some jokes being made about how, um, you know, Trump thinks that, you know, housing and urban development is just cold for black people, which is why he just you know, chose, <laughs> chose his one black friend. <laughs> yeah. Well, it, it's an appropriate joke, but I, I think that Ben Carson probably, I mean, you know, he grew up in the ghetto. He came out of the ghetto. He's a success story all around. And I'm, I'm assuming, then this is just a wild guess, that probably Ben and Donald got together and they had some martinis or whatever they do. And <laughs> they had a nice conversation. And in it, uh, Ben Carson explained how, how he would fix the ghettos. And Donald was just like, oh, my God, what an amazing plan. You're going to do that. And that's, <laughs> that's kind of how I interpret this conversation to have gone. I can see that. All right. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I think he'll do a good job. He's a brilliant man. He's been successful at everything he's touched. So, I mean, I'm, I'm optimistic. I'm not going to say that, you know, he will for sure do great, but, you know, I'm pretty sure. I'm Well, and you know what? There's not a lot to fuck up. Right. <laughs> I mean, can't, can't get much, get much worse. worse. Yeah. So. Um, okay, so the last thing, I think we're probably going to close at around nine. So, you know, just in, in about 10 minutes. But I did want to ask you guys about Trump's use of executive orders, because that's something that, you know, if I'm going to be honest and try to be unbiased here, that's something that bothered me about Obama was just how many executive orders he was using. It was almost like he was trying to legislate through the presidency. Yep. And now we see Trump do using he's using a lot of them. I think, you know, from what I've seen, most of them are constitutional. They do have to do with enforcing the laws, not necessarily changing them. Correct. Um, but what do you guys think about the, the use of executive orders? I think it's a poor precedent to set, but how many of these um, were to reverse, you know, previous damage from the Obama administration? That's right. what I was going to yeah. say. If if you're doing it that way, and he's as long as he's just trying to reverse what's already been done, and he's doing that through executive right, right. order, then why? At that point, I'm okay with it. Once he starts overstepping, and then I'll doing, be worried. Yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. Well, but I'll I'll be worried, but. Obama set the precedent. Obama did this. The court, the Democrats, liberals, whatever, knew that at the time they made the conscious decision to say, you know, especially the courts, when they had this, these, these executive orders in front of them and they said, yeah, we're going to send them through. They knew that at some point somebody they disagreed with was going to come yeah. along and be president. Yeah. And, and here he is. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, but trying to be consistent about it, I, I can see. Yes. That, that's my thing. If you're undoing damage, then okay. Because you're pretty much, you're going tit for tat exactly what Obama did. You're just doing away with it. But I'm, I'm going to try to be consistent and say, don't overstep your bounds. Right. But if they change the law, and that's now the law, and that's what the, that's what the legislative branch is going to say the, government, the, the president can do, and that's going to exist from now until we say otherwise, 
I'm not going to say, I mean, if that's the rule right now, then Trump isn't doing anything wrong. Yeah, I would prefer he not. I would prefer it go back to the way it was before where the president doesn't have all this power. But as long as this is the case, then let's use it because they would and we should. We need to. Yeah, I mean, especially, I guess my whole thing is, I think in Trump's mind, he just wants to get things done as fast as he can. You know, that's why there was an executive order about immigration. There's been executive orders about Obamacare. I think it's just about kind of like Michael was saying, reversing things as fast as he can. But, you know, once once we sort of get over that that initial momentum, I hope that he does sort of work more with Congress because, I mean, the Republican control, he, there's no reason why he should be doing things unilaterally. Like he, he has the ability to actually work with Congress, do things kind of above the board in a way that no one could question. So, you know, why not just do that? Especially, I mean, with the power that, with the power that the Republicans hold right now and them seeing him work so hard to undo damage that Obama did, even though he's gained so many enemies on the left, I think that he's starting to kind of uh, win some of Congress over, in which case he can work great with them because they can do what they need to do. Well, and Congress always has the benefit of having to submit to the will of the people. And And when they come back around and they vote for him again because of how the left is blown up, if Congress hasn't helped them out, then they're going to get pushed out. Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, you know, my area... We have a we have a congressman who's been in since I think 2002, and that's relatively short. But his name Schuster has been in office for about 35 years. He he took over from his dad. He's very unpopular here, and yet he keeps winning re-election. If people were because even he's not very conservative, he's kind of a dick, and people don't like him. And but we he almost lost this primary. But anyway. People like him have been in Congress for a very long time, and they're never threatened. He never has any credible threats from the left. We are It, we, it always votes 70% Republican in my area. Since that's the case, he's never felt threatened before. But watch him cross Trump. Watch somebody like him cross Trump and you know, get on Trump's Twitter feed, and all of a sudden, this area, which voted overwhelmingly for Trump, is going to throw Schuster out on his ass. And that is what I will hope will happen to all of these swamp Republicans mm-hmm. who have been in there for so long and have never had a credible challenge. Now we're going to see some change. And that's what I really would like to see. So I want to see a couple of people break rank and uh, oppose Trump because then we'll know who the real conservatives are. Right. Those yeah. out. I'm loving seeing Paul Ryan cozy up to him again. That little worm. <laughs> oh, I, I have so many feelings about Paul Ryan. All of them negative. Oh my goodness. <laughs> I, like, I love it. You know, before he, during the election, like, oh, no, you know, a Muslim bad, that's unconstitutional, blah, 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 divisive. Now he's like, yeah, you have the funding. Go for Go it. Go for like, it. Oh, yeah. my goodness. I Did I you see re- a squirrely little statement about that the other day? I saw it on, like, NBC or something, and he's just yeah. talking about how it's a great idea. And I'm just like, he yeah, has I'd rather be with somebody that's principled but disagrees with me than somebody that is just on the side of the winner all the time. Yeah, yeah I, was, bitch. I was so hoping that he would lose his seat this past election. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> he, he wins by a smaller and smaller margin each time um oh yeah he's i don't know he just he, he just represents the establishment to me you know i mean like yeah. you're not you're not really a hardcore conservative i mean you can campaign on those principles but when it comes to actually enacting change you don't do it and that's that's been the republicans problem for so long and i don't know if it's because he's afraid of being called racist or you know what it is maybe he doesn't really believe it but it's like stand up for your principles if you actually think that then think it you know consecutively for, I don't know, a couple months. Don't just like flip flop. Oh my goodness. (laughs) Yeah, I I have strong. It would be one of the You seem triggered. Just (laughs) triggered. Yeah, he he triggers me. 
triggers me. It would Who be knew it would be moves. Paul Ryan that would trigger yeah. Roaming Millennial? <laughs> yeah, but actually, yeah, I, I mean, would... that's kind of an interesting thing. And like what Ranthony was saying, um, you know, term limits. That was that was another thing that Trump was campaigning on. Do you think that's actually going to happen? Yeah, it depends on how know. he goes about it. It depends on because right. I mean, if he executive orders that shit, then yeah. But if if he has to go through legislature to do that, never in a million years. Yeah, you've got too many people serving their own self interest to vote yeah. yes on that. Because I mean, they, they, fuck no. Look, Schuster for my own congressman is a perfect example of that. He has a very nice, cozy position on. I believe he's the chair of the House Transportation Committee. He has been. Petitioned by lobbyists, he had sex with a lobbyist. That's one of the reasons why he almost lost this time because he was having an affair with a lobbyist. Oh, cool. blah, 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 blah. He has a cushy, <laughs> cushy job. Huh? He's a spicy. scumbag. Scumbag you've never heard of, I know. Uh, <laughs> he has a special happy position here, and uh, he don't want to lose that. And so, Republican or not, he's not going to vote for term limits. Why would he? So, if if that were to come out, you know, they're going to make every possible argument against term limits that they can muster, so that they don't have to vote for it. So, if he does it by executive order, yeah. That, I, I, I don't know if I want to, but that's one of the few things I could almost say that I would be okay with an executive order on because it's kind of one of those uh, conflict of interest for Congress to actually vote yeah, on definitely. that. So right. having it pushed through the courts instead would almost that makes sense because it's not who's going to vote against themselves. I, right, right. <laughs> There are some principled people who would or who would have. Yeah, there there are some. Mostly not. <laughs> Would have, I say, because oftentimes they do self-imposed term limits and then they leave. And that's I mean, I guess we have to I, I don't even know about the constitutionality of that. I mean, I obviously either. we know that the executive branch does exist to check the legislature, but right. in terms of con like term limits, I don't even know how that would work. But yeah, to be honest, I don't either. Yeah. I mean, I, I hope it would happen. I think it's I think it would be really helpful. And I, mm -hmm. I I'm kind of encouraged by the the ban on lobbying that he, you know, he executive yes. ordered and I I'm kind of a little bit confused about how he plans on enforcing that. But I mean, we'll see. I don't really know. I don't know how it works. Um, that said, I mean, to, to finish up on your executive order point, it is important to, to note that executive orders can be overdone, but that there are reasons to do them on occasion. And so we can't, we can't worry. We, some of them are legitimate. And I think that's, for example, one of them, because that is directly at about, about the executive branch. That's exactly what they were built to do. Mm -hmm. uh, so anyway, yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, um, I think that's everything I wanted to cover. Uh, do you guys want to, you know, say your your go goodbyes before we sign off? Uh, sure. Bye. <laughs> it was a pleasure. <laughs> have a lovely day. Thank you for Bye. watching. I'm just, I just one day to like have a not awkward ending. Or <laughs> that, that is my dream. That that's how well, I'll know that I've made it. <laughs> okay, but see, you invited me on, which meant that that was that was gone right from the start. <laughs> Yeah, you need oh soothing God. outro music. That's how Skag does it. <laughs> yeah, yeah really. that's a good idea. Like outro music is that? I mean, is that royalty free? Because that's actually really good music. What the catch the wind or the no the uh oh wait that that's I'm like bigger tits cover. She she sang that, but um, I might, our I might be outro is about, yeah. Whoa! I, no, I might be thinking of the outro that he uses for his uh, his regular videos, the guitar. Oh like, yeah, no, that's original music from one of his subscribers. Oh, it's really good. Yeah, it is really good. Always reminds me of Skag. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. And uh, by the way, if you guys aren't 
subscribe because we're we're talking about him a lot. So it, oh yeah, <laughs> <laughs> subscribe to Matt Christensen. Uh, he and Blonde do a weekly podcast, and his channel is really great. They just had Dave Rubin. And they're blowing up in terms of views. So <laughs> it's know, called definitely. Beauty in the Beta. It is on Sundays at 9 p.m. Eastern time. Yeah. And it's and, fantastic, and you should watch it. it is, aw, thank you, guys. It is. It's really good. One, one of my favorite. Oh, he's in the chat. <laughs> I'm out. We're shouting you out, see? <laughs> um, yeah, and I, I think that's uh, that's it for now. Thank you guys for watching, and thank you guys for joining me, and uh, we'll see you next time. Bye. Thanks, guys. Thank you.